Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's Focus for Wednesday, November the 23rd, 2022. Today's focus, I'm not going with you. Now, now you go, you go ahead, but I'm not going with you. No, 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 no. I, I insist you go, you go right ahead. Trust me, it'll be better for you if you go ahead, but I'm not going with you. Well, well, me, well not me, but well, well, someone's not going with, okay, what am I talking about? Well, welcome everyone to today's focus. Today, we once again turn our attention to Exodus chapter 33 and 34. If you remember yesterday's focus, which was yesterday's today's focus, <laughs> the focus for yesterday was Exodus 33, 34 because of a sermon from the late uh, Adrian Rogers dealing with practicing the presence of God. We, we haven't had a chance to review that entire sermon yet, but that will be coming up today in a live broadcast. But yesterday's focus was really just getting you to think about how he was at least suggesting we interpret Exodus 33 and 34. And I, I wanted people to really think about it, struggle with it, ask, you know, ask questions about how had they heard those two chapters handled in preaching before. Really wanted to spark a conversation. Now, to be honest, I wasn't expecting a lot of replies. I know it's the holiday week here in, in, in the United, I was going to say in Texas, here in the United States of America with Thanksgiving fast approaching. Um, and so I know people are traveling, people have got things to do. So I don't know if I really wanted to get into a, a deep hermeneutical discussion. So I didn't receive many emails and that that's that's okay. But uh, the way I'm uh, always going to try to approach this, whether I feel people are interested or not interested, I'm going to try to give people what I think they need. <laughs> maybe not necessarily what they want, maybe not even what they're interested in talking about. But I do believe understanding how to properly interpret something like Exodus 33 and 34 is a great hermeneutical exercise. It's well worth your time and consideration because as we saw with Dr. Dr. Adrian Rogers, he took Exodus 33 and 34 and he was he's going to basically turn it into some kind of, I guess, allegory of your life and my life. And, 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 and there's lots of issues with that. But I, when I, I was thinking, okay, so what do I do for today's focus? Do I just forget yesterday's? I'm like, I can't move on yet because we haven't even reviewed the sermon. So I don't want to play any more of the, of the sermon here on today's focus. We'll save that for an entire broadcast. But I just thought, you know what? Maybe today we'll just once again open up Exodus. We'll just go back to Exodus 33 and 34. Maybe for the next couple of days, we'll just work on Exodus 33 and 34 and just consider some of the passages. So today your focus is, hey, I'm not going with you. And that is based off Exodus chapter 33, verses 1 through 6. Exodus chapter 33, verses 1 through 6. Now, this is going to be, this is dangerous for me. Today's focus is supposed to be about 15 minutes long, right? I'm supposed to just hand you something and say, here is what you're going to focus in on throughout the day. And then if we're going to return to that subject, it will be in other podcast episodes. It won't be a part of this series. So that's the goal. But when I start reading scripture, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stop and it turn, turn into an 18 hour, you know, sermon and a 26 month, uh, you know, 
series, but but okay, okay. I'm going to try to avoid all of that, but are you ready? Exodus chapter 33. I know if, if you can't uh, open up your Bible, just remember the text, Exodus 33, 1 through 6. That's what I want you to focus on today. That's what I want you to read over and over and over, and that's what I want you talking about, whether it's email, Discord channel, however. Are, are you ready? Exodus chapter 33. Here we go. Verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses. All right, so we have God speaking directly to Moses. All right, see, see, see what I'm going to do. See, I, can't, I can't, I can't start breaking this down. All right, here we go. The Lord spoke to Moses. Go up from here, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying. So God is. He, has, he remembers the promise he had made. He remembers the covenant he had made ultimately with Israel. He knows that covenant. And he says, so these people who came up out of the land of Egypt, the land I promised, God made a promise of land. I think that is so very important. He made a promise of land. Okay, and that land is literal land. You can't turn it into something figurative or, or something spiritual and then somehow give it to the church. Okay, well, you know, we, we can get into a whole argument about eschatology here, but I have major problems when people do that. It's literal land. I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying, I will draw, I will give it to your offspring. He made a promise, and that promise was to the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will send an angel ahead of you and will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, uh, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So hey, I made a promise of land. You're going to get, the, the offspring is going to get that land. And, and oh, by the way, I'm going to send an angel in front of you to drive out all of these nations. Now, this is very much the, 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 the uh, uh, a clear demonstration of God's mercy, God's, uh, God's grace. I think that's a good way of looking at it. Think about it this way. Israel did not deserve land. Israel did not deserve this promise. These people were no better than any of the other people. They, they weren't better than any of the other nations. They were just as ungodly, just as wicked in Israel, and all of them showed it over and over and over and over and over again in their actions. But God's made a promise. His, he sovereignly chose them. His grace, his mercy, he made promises for them. And he's going to keep his promise. I'm going to give you the land and I'm going to show you that I'm the one who's giving you the land. I'm the one who's going to accomplish it. It's all the work of God. It is his mercy, his grace. I'm going to send the angel to drive out all of these people before you. But, but this is just fascinating to me, right? I'm going, I'm going to do all of this. I'm going to send the angel. Again, he's going to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Heathites, the, Heathites, uh, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to give you this land. It's going to be flowing with milk and honey. My grace, my mercy, uh, my provision. I'm going to take, I'm taking care of all of this for you because of my sovereign choice, my sovereign promise. It's a beautiful picture. But the next line, the next verse is where we get today's focus. But, 
All right. Oh, uh oh, uh oh. We always know when we see the but that cancels out basically in some ways everything that comes before. Now, this in this case, it doesn't cancel out the promise. It doesn't cancel out that God is going to do exactly what he promised to do. But there is something that's going to be different. But I will not go with you. Hey, you go. You go into the land. I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to I'm going to send the angel, but I will not go up with you. I'm not going with you. I I don't know about you. That just really caught my attention this morning. Hey, you go and I'm going to keep my promise, but I am not going up with you. Now, why is he not going up with them? I will not go up with you because you are a stiff necked people. Otherwise, I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard this, when they heard when the people heard this bad news, they mourned and didn't put on their jewelry. Now, I just find this fascinating. Remember, it's a historical narrative, so we don't want to turn this into some kind of allegory. We don't want to be. We don't want to destroy the text that way. But it's. I think. I think we have some very important principles here. First, we have clearly the principle of God's God's promise, God's mercy, God's grace, God's sovereignty. Hey, I'm going to take care of everything I said I was going to do. I'm going to keep it. However, and that's that's grace, that's mercy. But then we see the people. Obviously, once again, falling short of that mercy and grace. And that doesn't, now listen, their failure, their rebellion, them being stiff-necked, doesn't cancel out God's promise. Doesn't cancel out God's sovereign election and choosing of them. I mean, it, in some ways, Israel is such a beautiful picture of, of eternal salvation and a beautiful picture of, of, of God's eternal election that, that he doesn't, if he chooses and he elects, he doesn't change because, well, well God is immutable, right? There, and I know that deals more with his character, but I mean, his promises are, are true. He does not lie. He does not change. So, so think about this. He chose Israel. He made a promise to Israel. He's going to keep that promise. But even though he's going to keep that promise, look, the people sin, the people fall short. We always sin and fall short. We always sin and fall short of God's mercy and God's grace and God's standard. We fall short of it 24 hours a day. That's why we need grace and mercy. We wouldn't need grace and mercy if we could achieve and could obey and could do what we're called to do. We fall short. So here we have, they're falling short, but it doesn't cancel out God's mercy or God's grace. So what does he do? But I'm not going to go up with you. Now, I'm not saying this is perfect. And I know some would make some argument, but I see kind of a, an interesting concept here. God, God keeps his promises to people fail, but their failure does not impact God's promises does not impact God's grace and mercy, but it does seem to impact, and I don't know, can we insert the word here? Would it be, would it be wrong? It does impact people's fellowship. Hey, I'm going to keep my promise to you, but I'm not going to go up with you. Now, it's almost though he's not going up with them. Almost it's a sign of, of mercy because if, if I go up with you, how does the text read in the translation that I was reading from? Um, if I, otherwise I might destroy you on the way. It's still a sign of God's mercy, but it, it's, it's just kind of an interesting concept that, hey, I'm going to keep, 
I'm going to, I made promises. I'm going to keep you fell short. That doesn't cancel out the promise, but it does hinder in a sense, my ability to walk with you. Now I'm not going to walk with you because I would destroy you. In other words, our, our sin and our failure does not destroy our eternal standing before God. That nothing can do that. Now, I know within modern-day Christianity, no, 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 our failure and our shortcomings immediately gets our salvation called into question, but my salvation is not dependent on my obedience. It's dependent upon Christ's perfect righteousness. But it does impact something. It does impact, in a sense, God walking with me. And with me, it obviously, and, and a kind of a, a more illustrative concept, because obviously if I'm a Christian, he is in me, but walking with me, there's the closeness, the fellowship is, is hindered or destroyed. Do you think that's a fair rendering of the text? I, I think both is there. Let, let's read it all again today. Exodus chapter 33, the Lord spoke to Moses, go up from here. You and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt to the land I promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, saying, I will give it to your offspring. I will. So I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to send an angel ahead of you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, uh, the Hethites, uh, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So I'm going to do all of that. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. So you're you're going to get you're going to get the land uh, flowing with milk and honey as I promised it, as I promised it. Not because of your goodness, righteous or holiness, but because of my sovereign election and my eternal and my are my sovereign promise. Right? Just a beautiful picture of grace and mercy. But I will not go up with you. Because you are a stiff-necked people, otherwise I might destroy you on the way. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned and didn't put on their jewelry. I like the concepts. I like the kind of the contrast here. I'm going to do everything I said. You're stiff-necked. You're rebellious. You're sinful. So I'm not going with you. Or I would end up destroying you. Those, I think the two concepts of God's promise, but yet it's, God's promise is not impacted by our failure. So I, I think I will, I will, I'll try to give you these points this morning. Um, God's promises, God's grace and mercy is not impacted by our failure and rebellion and sin. However, God's fellowship is... I guess we could just make that one point and just add it out, or we could break it down into two points. But God's God's promises, God God's choosing, God's uh, grace and mercy is not impacted by my failure. However, my fellowship with Him is. I, do you see that in Exodus thirty three one through six? What is your thoughts on that passage? Yes, trying to do this in fifteen minutes is definitely. Not what I'm good at. I would like to sit there and talk about that for a couple of hours. But that's the whole beauty of the Today's Focus podcast episodes, right? Because now you can spend all day focusing on Exodus 33, 1 through 6, and hopefully having some great conversations about it. And I would love to know what your thoughts are and what conversations you have. Share them at newsif at yahoo.com newsif at yahoo.com. And that is your today's focus for Wednesday, 
November the 23rd, 2022.